going to jump right into the uh, big question, which is on both our minds, I know, which is the uh, the name of this podcast, because we have we have no name of the podcast. Right, 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 right. And I know that we have uh, gone back and forth and talked about some things, but um, uh, I, I don't know if we've come to a conclusion. I know we want to have your idea of imagination as a central theme, and thinking back and forth kind of mulling over uh looking at some of the items in the show notes about um what maybe uh your suggestions were i think i think this imagine what do you think what do you think about this the imaginarium just that as the name of the podcast well um you know obviously that's kind of my first inclination but i think that I mean, it, it's something that we do have to kind of figure out, but I mean, we need to kind of uh, make sure no one else is using it, you know, uh, or if, if they are, then we're going to need to, you know, differentiate it somewhat with, a, you know, a second descriptor of some sort. Uh, you know, I, I, I like your uh, local imaginarium. That wasn't bad. I just, to me. Me, it, it kind of brought down the magical word into mundaneness. If you know, uh, it was just something that. Uh, oh, right. Uh, we'll do a quick uh, Google search. I see, of course, Imaginarium.com is taken. I see a bunch of Toys R Us stuff, which uh, they're not a sponsor, so I don't. I don't care about that. Uh, I don't think they do any in the Imaginarium podcast. So I think we could get something like Imaginarium.fm and just, I think that would be a pretty good, pretty good name for our, what we, what we want to do with the show. There is an Imaginarium podcast, so there you go. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, yeah. It's called the Imaginarium Podcast, so we we'll need something to kind of okay add it, you know, add to it. Uh, well, you were first. Kind of, you were first. Well, no. I was gonna say you were your your first Imaginarium Podcast, so good job, Imaginarium Podcast. <laughs> yes, but see, you know, they're restricting themselves by going with the word podcast. I mean, they're saying this is what we are, and I think one thing we can both agree on that this shows are really not going to be about that. So, uh, you know, it's going to be about more like an essence thing. You know, what is imagination? <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. we, so we uh, may be a, vi- a video cast, and you know, uh, who knows? Live plays to follow, right? That is a possibility. Now, I only got you to promise two episodes. And uh, hopefully this one won't be so bad that you'll be like, you're want to get out at two. And <laughs> we can we can continue on. Because I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, I know I know several things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about uh, imagination stuff. I want to talk about where all, a lot of your ideas come from, uh, i.e. your imagination. I think uh, 
Oh, there's so much. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, I want to, I want to roll it out very gentle, so you don't, you don't uh, flinch away and, and never re- return. Oh no, no. Like I said, uh, I like the, I, I like a lot of the ideas we've had. As a matter of fact, I think after seeing kind of, you know, your vision of how of the different areas we would talk about, that this is something that we would naturally do anyway. You know, I mean. Honestly, every time we get together, we do this. <laughs> that was and, uh, that was my exact thought when I was like, we should just get together and have like I, I thought many times. Let me put it this way: I thought, thought many times when we were sitting around talking, I was like, if we were recording this, we could just throw it up online, and we would have uh, a podcast. Uh, so, you know, we're we're gonna have some of our. Uh, our uh, other conversation partners probably join us if we can get you past two episodes and uh, maybe maybe they'll become permanent guests or, or semi-permanent guests i know we've had some talk we talked offline about some of that stuff we'll see we'll see who shows up but uh for now we're gonna go with something like uh uh imaginarium something or something imaginarium right right and that's kind of like you notice one of the suggestions i made was imagined you know, Imaginarium. Uh, that's just because I've got a lot of experience in the branding world, you know, and and uh, my mind immediately thinks about things like that. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you want to be like a company like, I don't know, like, say, Catalyst, well, you know, if the regular spelling is going to be taken, so you're going to throw in a K or, a, you know, something of that nature to to make your brand different and stand out. And as long as you're not in the same exact lane, uh, usually trademark laws will let you, you know, have that lane. You know, um, it's kind of hard to just blanket a term. It, it, it definitely it gets more defensible on their side whenever uh, you're trying to play in their same sandbox. Yeah, that makes sense. Some of the other ideas you had were uh, fanatics with a PH. Yes, with a P. Yeah. Uh, the Phantasmapod. Yes. I'm going to lay that. Uh, Rocket uh, ships into the imagination. That's uh, <laughs> that's what my idea is there. Yeah. And, and my, and my, my two ideas, of one of which was your local imaginarium, which I thought was, uh, it, it was sort of uh, personal. And you're right. It sort of it sort of brought it down to earth a lot. But I was thinking in the Harry Potter uh, idea about uh, sort of sort of making the crazy uh, normal uh, in that contrast. You know, you know something that uh, that I like about that. You know, I know later on we were scheduled to kind of talk a little bit about favorite words. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I don't really have a favorite word, but I do have a favorite kind of group of words. And I would count like imaginarium in that. But I like uh, strange words, words that that kind of feel like they have a bit of uh, of uh, just something, you know, a, a, a little a little bit of history behind them, a little bit of style, a lot of, you know, kind of like steampunk for the mouth, you know steampunk talk i don't know i guess you know any kind of word uh that uh would describe like instead of saying a store i like emporium you know uh, uh i just like it when it's just taken up a notch i don't know and 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 it's possible that it's kind of an antiquated term you know yeah, it does. Well, I don't know if it's antiquated. I mean, it might be. I don't. I don't know, but it definitely sounds fancy and like it. It might be one of those uh, 
some some old English uh, Southern English guy might throw that out at you when he's trying to insult you or something. Right, right, right. Uh, so I don't know. I, mean, I think we have to to uh, continue with the name talks, but you well, know, here, here's the cool it, part. Whoever you know, our vast array of listeners when they when they tune into this episode, they'll have already know they'll already know the answer to this. They'll they'll have a. Uh, <laughs> they'll have looked at it and saw what our conclusion was so they can contrast uh, what our discussion is with what we ended up choosing right 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 well you know that's what uh, that's what makes them fanatics hate like, <laughs> like, ah, like yeah, we should oh, man we gotta we gotta fit that in some way some, some way they can be fanatics and well, uh, see, and see that's another thing you know uh I'm, I'm, you know, obviously, you know, but, you know, the people that listen would know that I've recently started a, a Facebook page slash group called Phantasmal. And Phantasmal is basically this show with a direct focus in the fantasy art realms, uh, specifically, uh, you know, uh, original artwork. Uh, I've always had a love for it. And so, you know, no matter what we do, I'll always kind of put a little of that into this show. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, you know, you'll you'll keep them talking about uh, other things. But that's always it's just <laughs> kind of something I grab, gravitate towards. And I was already thinking about, hey, you know, anyone that, you know, is like me, they're a fanatic, you know. Uh, so uh, I don't know. It could work. So I've got a great idea. Let's let's introduce ourselves. Uh, you, yeah. so, you, you sort of started that, so let's let's just uh, so at least let, let people know what our names are. Uh, I don't know how much detail you want to go. Whatever level of detail you want to go into is fine. Well, My, uh, well, that leads us into the next question: Are you Dan or are you Daniel? That's that's a great question. See, my life. Uh, I am one of those to somebody, to everybody, to uh, but not not the same thing to everybody. I my life is split up into groups of people who either call me Dan or Daniel. And my mom, for instance, calls me Daniel. And a little more trivial, uh, trivia. My middle name is Daniel. My first name is not Daniel. Uh, I think my entire having a first name of Robert uh, was entire done entirely for the purpose of having the initials RD, which. It's the same as my dad's. So they basically took, they picked a name, Daniel, that they liked. And they said, let's pick any R name. We don't, we don't even care. An R name and stick it in the front of Daniel and it'll be R Daniel. Okay. Nice. So, so that's, that, I, I'm pretty sure. And they, my mom doesn't call me Robert. No one calls me Robert. I, I don't put I honestly Robert did anywhere. I know your name was Robert. Yeah. Oh, I, hard crazy. time up hearing that. Um, yeah, because it's it's not really. It's just stuck in there for legal purposes. But uh, so back to my middle name though is Daniel, uh, my, my my real first name, uh, or Dan. And my mom calls me Daniel because that's what she named me. But other people in my life have, for whatever reason, when they first meet me, they just pick one or the other, Dan or Daniel, and that's what they call me. And I never correct them one way or the other. They're just kind of grouped together, group and use the name. So I think you call me Dan sometimes. No, never. See, okay, see, see I'm going, I was going by, they kept, you kept putting Dan in the notes. Um, Did I? Yeah. 
Where? Like fake sponsor which we're coming to later, Dan. Well, I guess so when I was typing, but that's because I'm lazy. Okay. I don't think I've ever called you Dan because of my other good friend, Danny. Yeah. I've always called him, you know, Dan for short. So I think, I don't know, you know, I've known Danny since high school. So I, I, I think I usually call you Daniel, but who knows? We have been uh, at more than uh, one function where some drinks were passed around. So I'm sure you could Dan at some point in time. Yeah, probably. Uh, which could be an influence. If you weren't really thinking about it, influenced by the various uh, one of the various groups, right? Like if you were sitting next to Serena, by the way, who calls me Dan, or one of the other people, Lee, Lee and Dan, right? My wife, Lee. It's uh, Lee and Dan. It's never Lee and Daniel. Uh, to those people. Uh, anyway, so that, that's 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 talking about naming. That is, uh, you have to find the, our fanatics. will have to define whether they call me Dan or Daniel uh, in their own mind, in their own way. Uh, which leads me to you, uh, Cal. Wait, no, you're never Cal. You're not, you're I, I am actually sometimes Cal. Really? But that's, yeah, but that's uh, only a few uh, friends from back home, really. <laughs> Or and by back home you mean uh, uh, Krypton, right? No, see we branded it with a C. <laughs> uh, so Calvin, uh, that's what I've always called you, and it is the Cal part is not not Kryptonian in any way. Yeah. Uh, so my name's Calvin Seymour, and my first name is Ernest. That's pretty bad. It's uh, you know. Never, never liked that name at all. But you know, I'm a third also, so yep. uh, you know, you, you kind of get uh, saddled with certain things, and that's what that's what I had. I like Calvin a lot. You know, uh, I honestly meet very, very, very few Calvins. Uh, I never have really had the problem of being in the same room with someone and them having my name. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I like that about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if we were, if we were a real podcast with an actual name of our own, uh, we might actually have sponsors. And if we did have sponsors, now would be the time we would take a sponsor break. We're about 15 minutes in and we would take a little, uh, a little, a little sponsor break here and we do a, a read and then our vast array of fanatical listeners would be so impressed with our our read that they would go out to the website that we uh, were promoting and they would buy the product and then sometime in a few a few, a few I'm sure minutes later just a few minutes later we would get a check in the mail but uh, we don't actually have any sponsors uh, we don't actually have any fans <laughs> any any fans uh, and we barely even have we don't even have a name uh, so uh, what we decided to do with the general theme of an imagination was we come up with a fake sponsor read and it started I think it started off with just being uh, the purpose of just practice but then we thought about it I thought about it we thought about it and we went back and forth a little bit about the fake sponsor read being a little bit about something we actually wished exists so we each came up with something that we really wish existed uh, and I have mine, which I'll get to in a second. I actually wrote a sponsor read, and I've practiced it, which probably means I'm going to mess it up. And I don't think you have a sponsor read, which is fine. But your what what is your fake sponsor product that we you wish we were sponsoring that would sponsor us? Well, that? well, actually, 
I think they were kind of two different things for me. Uh, so, you know, at first I took it as you, you were saying, hey, what product do you wish existed? Well, my first immediate uh, response to that was that I wanted a superhero-based Hearthstone game. You know, Hearthstone's a very popular card game put out by Blizzard online. Uh, it's whimsical. It's fun. Uh, you know, lots of things rely on uh, randomness rather than just... Uh, you know, rather than just straight strategy, even though there's always strategy, even in randomness, as you're you're guessing your odds and kind of weighing those when you make your choices. Right. So I, I would say, you know, to make a, uh, to make this short, superhero Hearthstone would be something I wish existed. Now, for fake product, I, you know, I was thinking something a little more, more fun than that, and I, I came up with. Uh, the fake product that I would actually craft or read for if I knew how to do such a thing uh, would be uh, kind of a juxtaposition of a couple of existing items that people love. And uh, I'm calling it catchy. All right. And <laughs> catchy. Catchy. Yes. Catchy is a combination Roomba fidget spinner. Uh, built to catch dirt off your floor and your give your cats a really fun ride, if you know what I mean. So this is this is what I did not know. And we were tra- chatting earlier, and you're like, you were very casual, you're like, you know how cats love to ride on Roombas. They and do. I, and I was like, I did not know that. I, yeah, I didn't. Just, you know, like a video a day comes out of a cat on a Roomba. You know, sometimes they'll turn it into a Mardi Gras style float uh, and the, put the cat in a in a box with some drinks or whatever. But they're always on these. They're always on Roombas, riding around. They love it. All right, I'm gonna put that on show notes. Show notes. Cats on Roombas, uh, video links, just like a video search, whatever. So yes. So somehow. And, yeah. So now you know what a fidget spinner is, right? The big, the big craze, the latest Rubik's Cube type thing. You know, yeah. time factor. I, I really, I really dislike them. Of course, I'm because I'm old and the you know the kid thing. They're like, of course, I hate that what the kids are into. But then I thought of something. I thought uh, fidget spinner. If I just had a bag of fidget spinners, I would carry them around with me. And and anytime I saw a kid flipping a bo- water bottle, you know, when they flip the water bottle and they try to make it stand up over and over and over and over again, I would just go by the. I'd be like, here, have a fidget spinner, and it just give me the bottle of water. And that would be the end of the the bottle flipping. <clears throat> and uh, I could I could deal with I could deal with fidget spinners if they were replaced the uh, bottle flipping craze. Well, you know I, 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 that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, I uh, I just actually learned about fidget spinners. I, this is how out of it I am. Uh, only about two weeks ago, it came on my my youngest daughter's radar, and of course, immediately on mine. If you know my youngest daughter, she's Miss. She's Miss uh, Material Girl and loves to have the, the things, the, the latest fad toys, you know. So uh, she's just like I was when I was a kid, you know. I'm still kind of like that, to be quite honest. But uh, my, my, my tastes have, have laser focused where hers are everywhere. <laughs> so uh, that's a big difference. Okay. So the so I, I the I, fake sponsor read that I created, I think uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll out there. It's gonna be practice. It's gonna be a pitch to any of our uh, many sponsors that will be clamoring at our at our door to be, become sponsors. They uh, will will hear this and they'll they'll. Uh, 
who do you think our target market is for sponsors? Just wondering. It's going to be really desperate people who, who need friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we can provide that friendship if you just download and buy the things we sponsor. We can pretend to be your friend a little bit online, a little bit. Not, not hey, much. Look, I, hey, look, they could be our imaginary friends. <laughs> All right. I like uh, that. So fanatics, like that. Uh, fanatics are out. And now they're imaginary friends. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the fake product. Okay. Uh, and and uh, Calvin, this is sort of this is something you're somewhat familiar with as a, a subject because uh, I know. Do you have grass? Uh, I do. do. I do have grass. Do you cut it or pay to get it cut? All right. So here, here's, <laughs> the, here's here's the rain. The 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 uh, the, the pitch. The, the read. All right. it, it is a giant pain to, to cut it. Okay. If you pay, it's obviously an expense. And if you cut it, if you, if you cut it instead of pay, it's hot, dirty, time-consuming, and and ultimately, let's admit it, futile because it's it's like the Borg, right? It's futile because it just grows back. It grows back if you're lucky, because I've seen I've seen people cut grass and not cut. You know, they they, they go at an angle or they get the blade too high or whatever, and they just end up with a bunch of dirt um, and a, a broken lawnmower. Maybe it's just it's just bad. Now, but now now this the solution to all that is is a, a, our sponsors product by Fakeco Fakeco called self cutting grass. It's no longer I mean literally it's no longer than you want the grass to be. You just pick out the uh, size of the grass you want and you have uh, the the, the it, it itself cuts itself apparently, which is amazing. Self-cutting that would grass. Be amazing. It but is the, it, the ultimate time saver, okay? You just Are you, are you sure that you're just not using a fancy marketing spin for like genetically engineered grass to grow exactly long length and never get higher? Okay, listen. You're messing up my sponsor read because look, here's the next line. Just select the desired thickness and height and spread the seeds on your lawn, and within a year you'll have self-cutting grass. No more, no more pavements to people to cut it. No more hot and dirty wasted Saturdays cutting the grass. Right? Just the perfect grass every day of the year with no effort. And uh, you were asking, and actually I was asking, and you had a, a very good comment about how does it work, right? Well, in truth, this is a fake product, so it doesn't actually work at all. But if it did. I would imagine it would work by having the grass tips die after it reach a certain length, probably through genetic engineering. So this is like, this is kind of like sea monkeys. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, right, so here's the problem with doing that, though, describing it that way. It's just because I'm just saying, because it's more like self-dying grass at that point, right? But no one's going to buy self-dying grass. So they were like, hey, let's just go with the self-cutting grass. Not the self-dying grass, because self-cutting grass is what you want. Anyway, you can get it today wherever fine, fake grass products are sold, which is nowhere because it's fake. You just use the code FAKECO, F-A-K-E-C-O, and in some shopping cart, and it will tell you that that's not a valid code. And you would, and as you enter that, you'd remember that what a great product self-cutting grass would be. Anyway. So thanks to our not real sponsor, our fake sponsor, Fake Co. Our imaginary company. And their self-cutting grass. Now, tell me, tell me that's not some stuff you want to buy right now. Some self-cutting grass. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, I think, uh, I think that would be a top-selling product. That I would, would disappoint. I would buy it. Right many now. people. I'd go to Amazon right now, and I would. Hey, don't they already make this though? Well, they, call it, uh, they call it turf, right? 
on football fields. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's self-cutting. I think there's there are people who come and cut it and, and maintain it. Oh, or, or, now, there is the turf. You know, there's the fake, the artificial, right? right. Just, and then there's also the rock gardens that they just paint green. But that's not what this is. This would be actual grass that would grow, and then it would just fall off and not not look weird. Just exact the height you want. Very thick. Interesting. It's just fake. It well, can be all the things you want it to be. Yeah, it could be anything you anything you need. Uh, anyway, so thanks to our fake fake sponsor. Yes, thank you guys. We really appreciate all the fake dollars <laughs> we just made. Okay, so. Uh, Moving on past the, the fake part of our uh, our, our, uh, our podcast, uh, we want to talk about some of the things that are new. Okay, so we don't have any follow up since this is our first podcast, so there's there's nothing to follow up on, but there are some new things. Now I'll see some some items in the show notes about uh, uh, some space. I'm, I'm into space. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So just thought uh, all these wonderful pictures from. Uh, you know, Juno and Cassini's uh, dive bombs uh, 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 around Saturn and Jupiter have just been so uh, amazing. And I, I've really uh, been kind of keeping tabs on it. And I thought, hey, I know you're into space, so I figured you had as well. So I just threw it on there as something to talk about. Right. Is this is this the one that's going to crash into, like, dive bomb? And- yeah, they're going to, like, try to see if there's actually any kind of, like, rocky core in Jupiter. I think that's how they're playing on you know okay. uh, you know burning it down pookie kind of situation <laughs> at the very end there uh, so yeah uh I, I, I like a lot of what's coming out of there you know just uh, i think just last week or so uh nasa has officially pronounced uh Euclidus as uh you know i'm not sure if i even said that right uh as uh habitable like they're basically saying that there is uh that there are are basically salt is presence they found that in the rings that the the icy jets that are coming off the bottom have produced one you know i don't know if you know this but one of the rings around saturn is actually ice jet stuff coming off of that moon Uh, interesting And, and they passed uh the the satellite through it and they were able to detect salt and the other thing about the uh the ice plumes that is very interesting uh is that um you know besides just the presence of water there's uh hydrothermal activity so you've got heat you've got uh pretty much the basic elements heat salt water and that's widely believed to be the soup of life. Mm-hmm. So it's just super, super exciting that, you know, NASA will come out and say, you know, this is the first time in my knowledge they've ever said, hey, this place is habitable. You know, I mean, they they actually think Europa is maybe even a better chance for life. It has some similar things. You know, it has the, the water plumes kind of coming off the bottom of it. Right. The only problem with Europa is that uh, the the aliens have said we can't land there. Well, I'm I'm not down. I don't know that particular. Well, look it up. There was a documentary back in the 1960s that documented all of that. Um, that that the whole whole mission. Of course, they had to cover it up. They had to cover up the whole space mission that they did back then. But it's very well documented. Lots of video. Um, 
there was a computer that went crazy. It messed everything up. But basically, I that, yeah, I thought that was the moon. You know, said we couldn't come back. No, no, no. no they did. They did find a monolith on the moon, but that was just that was just like a a tease, a teaser. Uh, you had you had they had to travel out to Jupiter to uh, to basically see the thing that was full of stars. And, anyway, um, I'll, I'll send I'll send a link on, on that one. But uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe post links to some of these interesting <laughs> things that we talk about after each show. Okay. Um, I was, which by the way, I guess we should probably you know after we name it, of course, create like a Facebook page. Uh, that sort of thing, right? You know, or should we even be that organized? I don't know. Uh, I mean, for, I plan on posting this to my fanatics group anyway, uh, at least to the page. I wouldn't do it to the group because on Phantasmal, I reserve the group for alerts of when original art is kind of found that matches the, you know, the uh, imaginative tastes of the people that follow it. So the page, anything pretty much kind of goes, you know, people can talk about, do whatever they want to and have fun. But because the groups actually send the email out, I I just restrict that strictly to, you know, hey, look at this piece of art. You know, it's available. Right. So uh, remember that. So, yeah, you know, uh, we could do a whole show on uh, the findings of, you know, around Jupiter and Saturn right now. It's amazing stuff. But we've got other things on the agenda as well. So. Right. So tell me, the next thing is also from you, Fog, Tales from the Yawning Portal, which I assume doesn't mean a very boring portal. Well, it is... Uh, Tells from the yawning portal, and you know, I don't know what fog is. I think maybe that's a typo. <laughs> autocorrect. <laughs> uh, so speaking fog. speaking of autocorrect, I'm gonna tell you what the best one I saw. I, I was kind of watching you off and on while you were doing the edits after I sent you the show notes, yeah. and uh, when you were typing in the uh, the phantasm dot uh, com or whatever, and it changed it to Guantanamo.com. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they thought that should be Guantanamo, but I uh, that that was pretty I funny. Hate autocorrect stuff. <laughs> I hate it. I don't I don't know if it, I'm going to give a uh, a plug for a real product. Anyone here use Grammarly? Do you use it, Dan? Grammarlink. Grammarly. Grammarly. No, I do not. Okay. If you're a writer, you should use Grammarly. It's a product that it's basically an advanced writing helper. And I don't even have the premium version. I just use the regular. And it's just fantastic. But but the most addictive thing about it to me is that you get a report at the end of every month that tells you how much you typed, what your average error margin was, and uh, what your vocabulary strength is. And uh, it's just kind of addicting because I've been sending my report to my wife, so she secretly signed up on Grammarly, <laughs> and I consistently beat her at all three. And so she has taken to giving me extremely witty replies in, in chat to everything, <laughs> <laughs> trying to add uh, you know extra words in. And, that's uh, that's anyway. interesting. Anyway, but I would highly recommend this thing. Man, you know, I am a creative writer i write you know i'll play around with it but i'm a horrible uh 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a horrible technical writer. You know, I just, I don't know if I just didn't pay enough attention or if, you know, I kind of grew up in a, obviously a small town and we just have our own way of saying things. But, you know, a lot of stuff has to get corrected with me. That's my lowest and my weakest area, really, with things. But, man, okay. I do love... Uh, I, I do love the help it gives you with 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 some of that. So that's that's interesting. I'm gonna check that out. Grammarly is that like grammarly.com or grammar.ly? It's just the word grammarly ly. You'll get it. You can't miss it. Free grammar checker. Um, okay. Yes, it's it's a fantastic tool. Okay. Uh, I honestly will end up getting premium version at some point in time. I just, I think I have to get another writing spell hit me. Uh, you know, I, I wrote first draft of my book, and then when I got all the self-help books on how to write a book, I, I decided I had a big stinking pile of, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, so I have to get my energy back to go back before I do a rewrite. Man, it's really don't let those books discourage you, man. Oh, uh, no, but, you know... It's uh, it's true though. You know, I mean, really, it is. I mean, there's, I you can't say enough. As you know, as much as like an artist has to learn about layering in and things on a painting. I mean, there's no difference when it comes to uh, mastering, you know, the vernacular and and knowing what and how to dramatically impact someone, but do it, you know, with style and flair and in a correct manner. You know, so. Oh. So, ever ever I told you the three? My personal opinion, as a non-published writer, the three keys to successful commercial writing. Have I, have I ever told you those, or that you, that you? Remember? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, there's there's three in my mind, uh, and again, I, I'm I'm not a published writer, but uh, I I thought about it a little bit, and uh, there's there's three things you've got to have okay the least important by far the least important is, is talent writing talent that is uh it helps but it's 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 almost uh not needed but it's on the list you need some some talent but it's the least important uh number two is you got to have subject you got to have something to write about yet you, you have to uh you got to have some reason that you're writing Okay, and the third thing, the most important thing by far, uh, almost, 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 all you need by itself, almost, is compul- compa- compulsion to to write. When you, the the need to create writing just it has to come out of you. Uh, if you've got that one, then you need less of the other two. Either that, or you need a barbarian lurking over your shoulder. Threatening to chop off your head. That would help in the compulsion. I think that that would actually yeah, really yeah. help you be. Uh, you a know that that's actually Robert E. Howard uh, said that literally it, he felt such a compulsion to to get these stories out and uh, you know uh, and you know he. he really felt like Conan was just right there, you know, mm-hmm. gonna, you know, in his ear screaming if he wasn't, you know? So, uh, and you can tell, I mean, my, I'm, I'm a huge Conan fan, huge Robert E. Howard fan. And, you know, the way that man wrote the, it just explodes out of the page, you know? 
uh, I can instantly tell the difference between a story written by someone else, you know, and, and you know, he only wrote 19 Conan stories, but I mean, has a lot of other characters than Conan, but, uh, you know, you can just tell. And, and, and as far as writing style goes, that man had it in spades, you know? So I, I, I think that, and I think you, you look at him, you look at like JK Rowling, how she was uh, all, all the tribulations she went through before she published her first Harry Potter book, uh, you know, turned down and said, and told not to write anymore and stuff. Uh, I won't go into all the details because I'm not, I'm not a super expert on them, but I know that there are many examples of people who, uh, it's not, it's not the talent, you know, it's, it, it's not like you might craft some superior words and then you're done. And it's not the subject because how many subjects are there in the, in, on the world that you could write about? Uh, it, but you just need something interesting. Other people will also find interesting. And, and if you don't, if you don't find something other people find interesting, that just that only fails the commercial test. You can still be a great writer and write something that is amazing. Uh, that if no one else is interested in it, then that only fails the commercial. It's still great writing. Uh, but what what you have to have is that need to sit down and just keep m- making more words appear on the on the paper or the computer or the whatever. Anyway, that's so. Anyway, back to the subject of tales from the yawning portal. We kind of got off <laughs> right. on our yawning tales. Uh, so, okay, all in my hand. Uh, new book uh, for 5th uh, edition Dungeons and Dragons that kind of, it is the book that I've always really kind of wanted them to do, okay? Uh, I'm an old school dino gamer, call me what I am, but uh, you know the classic D&D modules are my absolute favorite every now and then we'll kind of get together and run through a couple of them you know? Mm-hmm. And always wondered why they did it. You know, there have been other things where they kind of revisit the product, but you get like Return to the Tomb of Horrors or, you know, a, a, another sequence in Ravenloft. But there are not many attempts at actually recreating the module in a modern sense that's balanced for the current rules. And that's what this is. It includes seven adventures, uh, the famous Against the Giants. Um, it's one of the core D&D groups. Uh, you've got uh, you know, the steading of the uh, Hill Giant Chief and uh, you know uh, the, the Frost Giant and Fire Giant sections. Uh, then it has Dead and Thay, uh, the Forge of Fury. Both of those I'm not as familiar with. Uh, then uh, the Hidden Shrine of uh, Tamakin, which is one of the old school modules, though not one that I consider to be like, you know, personally, I don't consider it to be really way up there for me. But, you know, it is recognized old school classic D&D module, you know. And you had a Son of the Citadel, which kind of was the first module they kind of put out with the uh, – when they when they launched relaunched D the time before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have Tomb of Horrors and White Plume Mountain, which I think everyone will agree, along with Against the Giants, these these three are just titans amongst the old school modules. Uh, 
you know, uh, it has it features a lot of good art. Uh, I can tell you uh, that uh, Scott Murphy did uh, a new cover reimagining for uh, the Hidden Shrine of Tamakin, and it's quite fantastic. It's a, and it is available on his website. I checked yesterday, so unless someone got uh, you know the credit card out last night, uh, it <laughs> is available. Uh, and it's a fantastic piece. Uh, Describe what exactly you're talking about there. Because one of the questions I've always had about the artwork, so, so what they do is they create this artwork, they're commissioned for it, right? Yeah, they're commissioned. And, but they get to keep the original, uh, I, I suppose you know that's a matter of rights, but they keep the original, and then what they do is they... They yeah, can, can sell they, it or they produce it. the image. They produce the image, and what you when someone is commissioning them, they're either commissioning them because they want a painting, or they're commissioning commissioning them because they want the copyrights to the to the image that gets produced, or sometimes both. If someone wants the painting and that, then then the price is negotiated differently. You know. Um, now, you know, uh, that, that comes into the thing of like fan art. Like, you know, if I want someone to do Batman for me, well, Batman's a copyrighted image. And even though an artist can't produce Batman and then sell prints of Batman, you know, technically, though they do that, I think they do that at all the Comic Cons, uh, you know, DC doesn't really say much to them about it, uh, you know. Uh, but. You know, I can have private things done for my own use, and that's that's really what it comes down to is they. You can kind of uh, have these characters uh, commissioned to be painted for you by anyone. Matter of fact, I I really firmly believe there's a lot of people like uh, you know like our fanatics that do enjoy uh, you know art to a level where they, you know they might want to see their character get uh, made. Well, you can. It does. It's not very hard to jump on a place like DeviantArt or whatever and find someone whose style you like, and you know, send them a send them a message and say, hey, what well, you know, what would it take to uh, see my uh, halfling swashbuckler with his magic wiggling clothes, you know, uh, you know, come to life on, on in in a painting, whether that's digital or traditional, you know, that's up to them. They either want to physically have it or they may just want the image, you know, and then. If that artist produces it for him, you if, you know he can he can make prints and do that unless they negotiate the copyright away, you know. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of how it works. But uh, just kind of getting back to the the book again, real quick. There's a lot of cool art in here. Uh, the actual adventures I'm looking at. I, the only thing that really bothers me uh, so far, I really like the fact that they've balanced it and redone everything. But, you know, and I, maybe this is just fifth edition in general. I'm, I'm more of a Pathfinder guy these days. Mm-hmm. But I have been kind of playing a little fifth edition. And, but the, the, the actual monsters, the main bad guys, I mean, they have a few monsters in here, I guess, that are unique to the setting. But if it's in a regular manual or if it is, you know, in, in the Dungeon Master's Guide or something, like all three of the main magic guys from White... White Plume Mountain, uh, well, Black uh, Black Razor, uh, and Wave. Uh, all three of those are just listed with their name, and you're expected to have the Dungeon Master's Guide for it. Now, I don't like that. 
I mean, to me, when you make a module, it should all be about ease of reference for the dungeon master uh, because, you know, they got a hard enough job as is. <laughs> and I understand they're wanting you to have these other books, but then this that's poor, in my opinion. However, like I said, the art of the books is extremely good. Uh, uh, Chris Seaman does most of the Tomb of Horrors art, and I can tell you most of that art is traditional, uh, so it's available. Uh, I actually spoke to him about that a couple days ago, uh, and real reasonable price. So if you want, you know, if you want a painting of uh, Asarac, uh the or the Demi Lich skull, they're there. I mean, you go look at the book, take a look, contact Chris Seaman. It's uh, it's pretty. Pretty simple uh, thing to get involved in this little in this little world of uh, fantasy art. Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of people are doing it with Magic: The Gathering, and I think as you know, as as an investment, it's really pretty smart thing i mean obviously i don't really do it for that angle i mean i'm just a fanboy but there's no denying that you know some of these paintings can be come worth quite a lot down the road and i just believe that the market for uh fantasy and science fiction is is dominating pop culture like westerns and war movies did previously and it's just you know it's what people are going to want uh 20 20 30 years from here from from now you know i think fine art and illustration art i think there's the the lines are graying a bit you know mm-hmm. so i mean i know obviously there will always be the fine art van gogh clique you know but uh I've always, I've always used the fantasy art, I, probably exactly how it's meant, as r- really like just as inspiration, as an, an idea. Uh, you look at that, uh, uh, it's, it's the objective in my mind um, when you put it in a book like that is to say, not this is a prototypical, everybody should look like this, but... So if you've got some some rogue halfling rogue, right? You need to to sort of to the, um, express the limits. Like your halfling rogue could be this guy with feathers in his hat and uh, you know his, these particular boots on, on or whatever. Uh, not not but not to say that that's a typical halfling rogue, but this is this is a crazy version that still you can actually play uh, in, a, in a, a very um, Certainly. Coherent, and I coherent think, way. Uh, I think the uh, Pathfinder class profiles have gone out of their way trying to show you atypical versions of what could be. They've done a really good job. They give you a very mixed, you know, they're not, you know, they're kind of getting away from the, you know, if they have a barbarian, he doesn't look like Thundar or He-Man or Conan, you know. Uh, he might be some dragon rider that's on some kind of uh, big bird creature. I mean, you know, that's just, they're doing a good job with, with that. But one of the biggest cases of what you're talking about, you have to think about uh, the way that D&D in general has portrayed halflings, which, of course, we know where they come from. Right. You know, but... In all their art, you don't get the, at least all the modern art, you don't get the fat, hairy little (laughs) hobbits. 
You get slim, swift, you know, uh, uh, more agile creatures. They're more akin to a brownie than a hobbit, if you ask me. I think I I agree. And I think this is because (laughs) hobbits are the adventuring hobbit versus the the Tolkien typical hobbit, which is just like, let's just go to the pub and... Drink some, drink some, uh, drink something that's in a uh, a tall glass, uh, whatever. You know, they're just they're just kind of sit around and enjoy life rather than going on adventures. So I and I think that's sort of this uh, feed, fed back on itself over time about like the you you uh, you want that sl- that slim picking of people who of halflings that actually go on adventure. Anyway. anyway um, what so tell me tell me again the uh, the name uh, uh, or, or where to find some of the people you mentioned uh, about uh, if, some, if one of our vast array of listeners were interested in going and perusing some of these. Uh... Well, uh, there's like I said, there's a lot of artists in here. They have a lot of old school art. So, you know, uh, if you're interested in finding some stuff like that, you just really turn the first page of the book tells you who was involved. Now, you know, the book does not tell you what every piece of art is. And unless you've looked at it a long time, you may not be able to tell. But it does seem like they kind of gave different artists different sections. Uh, I know that the second I saw the the three very well uh, done images for the uh, the magic weapons in White Plume Mountain, I re- immediately figured out who that was. I saw CP. There was only one guy with those uh, initials and. Uh, tracked him down and you know i saw you know hey it's the digital work that doesn't look like there are any prints or anything like that but you know that kind of puts a guy on my radar when i when i see some work and he's you know it's uh his name i forget i think it's chris polas or something polas uh not as familiar with him but uh, i've looked at his portfolio a lot of lot of rpg style work um uh, you know, so he's main. He's a digital guy, which I admittedly don't follow as closely. But uh, you know, you have all that in there. And, and like I said, Tales from Yoni Portal definitely seems to achieve what I'd want out of the book. Uh, you know, just with a couple of minor gripes, I, I think uh, it's it's a it's a good buy if you want to relive those old adventures with your friends. You know. Yep. Uh, my, only, uh, my only last question on that whole thing is: uh, so when when are we gonna when, when are we gonna play that? Uh, soon, I hope. Yeah, that's a uh, that's boring. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe we can even do some uh, uh, game podcast. It's all <laughs> moved all across the universe, right? Yes, uh, the Exodus. The, all right, so let's, for the interest of a little bit of time and energy, let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, I'm going to briefly mention the last thing in our what's new section. Okay. Uh, I, I was perusing. I forget where I came across this Hacker News or Twitter or something like that. I don't know, but uh, there's a European portal for a lot, a lot of European art, uh, music, pictures. Uh, um, just sounds uh, self-portraits of people just a huge amount of 
things that they they have uh, gathered up. Some of it's free use, some of it's you can use with restrictions, and some of it's restricted. But they put a lot of that online, uh, like uh, over a million pieces of the various types. Uh, and I'll have I'll have the link to it. Uh, but it's it's www.eu.ro.p.e.a.n.a.eu. Uh, check that out. That's got a bunch of stuff. I was listening to one of the uh, the link in there. For example, is Don Giovanni. Uh, they have it on SoundCloud. I was just listening to that this afternoon. Uh, very relaxing, good programming music. That was enjoyable. Uh, okay, so I'll check it out. I cool. didn't get a chance to look at it beforehand, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a look. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, some a lot of interesting paintings. Uh, from various uh, art galleries ac- across Europe. So, cool stuff. Um, I think the next thing um, we have on our, our list is is just, quote, imagination. And I think this this section came from uh, when we were very first, the very first things we were talking about was uh, the past imagination, like when we were a kid versus the present imagination. And you said something struck me, which was, uh, you know, the things that kind of blew our mind when we were a kid versus the things that blow our mind now. Uh, and that's a really good point because in some ways, in some ways, uh, my life with computers has, has sort of, it's, it's followed a very predictable path because, um, I used to I used to drive home uh, in the back of my mom's car. She was a, a teacher, right? And you know I, I well, couldn't couldn't be playing a game while uh, actually in the car. Not in those days. So you know I, I would I would I would imagine I would just kind of think about uh, the cool stuff could be doing. Uh, you know a simulator of a giant car because I was in a car, right? I could look out the window and I could see enemies. I could, you know, you could controlling multiple people could be controlling various stations. Um, and I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or not, but that was basically what Planetside eventually created. Uh, not that Planetside was a, a, any particular super game or whatever, but it just happens to be that the things I used to imagine uh, while riding home was one of the things that they put in that game and that happened that happens a lot it, it super fast downloads computers that were amazing that could do xyz that i was just like wow imagine that was happening was something in the world it's now everyday stuff yeah uh and now the things that kind of blow my mind are um you know ai like actual abilities that we, you talk to your you talk to your your phone or you talk to your echo device and you ask it questions just like on star trek right and that was star trek the next generation or star trek the original when they're just talking to the computer tell me something and it would just tell you that that was impossible and i didn't, it didn't blow my mind it was just that was just sci-fi fantasy and now we have pretty good versions of that that actually yeah. exist and you can you can just, they just use keep them coming, you know they do they just uh you know, some of the things I've seen, and, and this is even kind of old news now, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, like the, the paint that can be programmed to change its color, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's so neat. I mean, that kind of thing is just so neat to me. Um, 
you know, uh, when I was young, I actually had a very similar car game, but well, I guess in the fact that I had imaginary guys, but I played kind of this video game in my mind. And what I would do is I would look out the, the window as we were driving and I would purposely not look forward. So I couldn't see what was coming. And I would imagine this invisible guy just kind of doing superhero acrobatic. You know, I've always been like a Captain America, Spider-Man kind of guy, you know. And uh, I would just see this guy outside, and that's what he was doing. He would jump from a telephone wire and jump on a stop sign, whatever. But if ever if ever anything came too quick or something, I just wasn't ready for it, then he would splat. I'd have to start <laughs> over. I'm him forever. So you're, you imagined a, a side-scroller video yeah, game. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I would do something similar, except I don't know if it was similar, but I, I would have a, a skateboard and I would skip between the uh, shadows. So if there was a, and I would, I would sort of do the same with uh, uh, not looking too far ahead, right? So, you know, you, you jump a certain distance and you didn't jump far enough and the shadows didn't clear out and you landed in the shadow, uh, game over, right? Uh, but uh, I, I would go, I would use my two fingers and just like, Ollie, 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 whatever, and, and through the shadows, attempt to uh, maneuver through uh, the the fairly random shadows um, away home or, or, or traveling somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just you know, childhood imagination was just just off the roof compared to you know what you have now. You get influenced by so much. Um, I remember just just crazy things that I did as a child that I would never do, you know, as an adult. And uh, <laughs> wonder how I survived, but uh, you know, that's that, that's what I hope this show can kind of do for us is tap into a little of that. You know, if you spend a little time thinking about anything, it'll kind of come back to you. Things you haven't thought about in a long time. If you actually spend that five minutes to try and think about it, you know? And uh, maybe this show will do that for some people. Uh, Maybe it'll do it for us. Yep. So if we had sponsors, this would be where we would do probably our final sponsor. Uh, I don't have even a fake one, but uh, I just want to throw that out there that... I may cut this part, but the the uh, fake sponsor break right here. Just uh, I tell you what, just rerun your uh, self-cutting grass <laughs> in a super professional short version. Okay, let me bring it up again. All right, so it's like, do you? I'll I'll just read exactly. It's very similar to what I did before, but I'll just read exactly. And I'm definitely gonna cut this out because no one wants to read hear it again. But so it's, do you have grass? Do you cut it or pay to get it cut? It's a giant pain, right? If you pay, obviously that's an expense. And if you cut it, hot, dirty, time-consuming, and ultimately futile, it just grows back. And that's if you're lucky. Now get self-cutting grass by Fakeco. No longer, and I mean that literally, no longer than you want. Self-cutting grass, the ultimate time saver. Just select the desired thickness and height and spread the seeds on your lawn. And within a year, you will have self-cutting grass. No more payments, no more hot, dirty, wasted Saturdays cutting the grass. Just perfect grass every day of the year with no effort. You're asking yourself, how does it work? Well, this is a fake product, so it doesn't actually work. But if it did, I would imagine it would work by having the grass tips die off after it reached a certain length, probably through genetic engineering. 
I'm just saying, it's more like self-dying grass than self-cutting. But no one is going to buy self-dying grass, right? And if they and they want it to look like it was cut, so self-cutting grass. Get it today wherever fine, fake grass products are sold, which is nowhere because it's fake. Use the code FAKECO in some shopping cart and see what happens. Thanks to our sponsor, FAKECO, and their self-cutting grass. Yay. I'd say don't cut that. Keep that one and cut the other one. <laughs> it was giant. <laughs> uh, and that, that was read exactly as I as I, I typed it out earlier. Right.